Hello, my name is Donnie Smith, and I'm the pastor here at Ascension Christian Center in Apopka, Florida. I hope this message changes, impacts, and challenges you in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you enjoy the message, you can connect with us on our website, Facebook, or Instagram at Ascension Christian Center. Thank you, and enjoy. I'm going to be going to John chapter 1, the Gospel of John chapter 1. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and there's John the Beloved. I'm going to be reading verses 1 through 1 through 9. Verses 1 through 9. I want everybody to know that before things get ugly, God always deals with me before I preach something always deals with me first. So I always get hit before you do. Amen? Does everybody understand what I'm saying that? Okay. All right. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. It says, In the beginning was the Word. Who was the Word? Come on, say it again. Jesus. Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. There you go. Before Genesis chapter 1, Jesus was with God. Jesus' first time on the scene was not in Matthew when he was being born in Bethlehem of Judea in a manger. When did Jesus show up? In the beginning. And the word was... God, uh uh-oh, Jesus is God. I'm in trouble now. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. And without him, who's him? Jesus. God, Jesus, Jesus, God. And without him, nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the what? I want you to say that loud because that's why I'm here. This word right here. And the what? Light. Everybody say light. And the life was the light of men. And the light, say light, shines in the darkness. And the darkness did not comprehend it. And the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it. And there was a man sent from God, God whose name was John. This man came for a witness to do what? To bear witness of the light. Who was the light? Jesus. That all through him might believe. He was not the light, but he was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which gives light to every man coming in the world. You may have your seats. I want to talk to you this morning, this subject simply titled, Walking in Light. Walking in light. Everybody say walking Walking. in light. Say this. Lay your hands on yourselves. Say God does not expect me to walk in perfection. But he does expect me to walk in light. Do you know that? God knows you're not perfect. As much as we think we are. God does not expect perfection from the believer, but he does expect us to walk in light. And this morning, I'm going to give you uh, a parallel, a con- two contrasting men in the Bible, two contrasting men that exude light versus darkness. One man you have who starts well, but does not end well. And then on the other right hand, you have a man who does not start well. He starts in humble beginnings, 
but ends well. Everybody hear me? The two contrasting gentlemen that I want to talk, to talk about is the first one's name was Saul. He was the first king in the Bible. And let me just tell you this, that, that God pleaded through a prophet in the Bible named Samuel for the people not to take a king. And he begged the people. He said, listen, the king's going to take your taxes from you. He's going to rule you. You have to listen to him because God's ultimate in the beginning. Does everybody know that? That God did not want law in place in the very beginning. He did not want kings. He did not want rulers. The people begged for one. Did you know that? Do you know why they did that? Because when they seen Moses coming down the mountain and his face glowing like the sun and they seen the glory of God on him and the power of God, all the lightning on top of the mountain, on, on top of the mountain where God, God gave him the Ten Commandments, it caused fear to be in the hearts of the people. And so where we should have wanted proximity to God and be direct related to him and direct connection with him, we wanted a schoolmaster in between us and God. Did you know that? This is where prophets came in. This is where kings came in. This is where the law came in because people did not want direct communication from God. Did you know that? And so the people begged for a king and God goes and finds this king. Now listen, listen what the scripture says about this man who started right and started in light. In 1 Samuel chapter 9, verses 1 through 2, it says this, there was a man of Benjamin. In other words, he came from good stock. There was a man of Benjamin whose name was Kish, the son of Abel, the son of Zeror, the son of something. Do we have that up on the screen? Do you have those scriptures? Becheroth, the son of Aphath a Benjaminite, a man of mighty power. And he had a choice and a handsome son whose name was Saul. So he had all the goods. He was successful. He was tall. He probably had blue eyes or something. I don't know. Maybe he had brown eyes. There was not a more handsome person than he among the children of Israel. For his shoulders were upward. He was taller than any of the people. Now, just to kind of give you some context here, this king, King Saul, ruled for Israel for years. And God called him. He was handsome, strong. He was successful. At the beginning, a godly man. A man who obeyed God at God's whim. He would listen to God. He took territory for the kingdom of Israel. But something began to happen. Similarly, what happened to the devil? Did you know that the devil is a fallen angel? Did you know that? He was like the worship angel in heaven, according to the book of Isaiah. He was dressed in timbrels and harps and flutes. And as he was in God's presence... He experienced the glory and the light of God because the Bible says that light emanates from God. As a matter of fact, it says he's so bright that man's eye cannot withstand and live if they see God. Jesus is God in the flesh so that we can see him and behold him and understand what God is like through the person of Jesus. But God was so bright that something happened to him that can happen to any man or woman in this room. When God elevated Saul, when God blessed Saul, something happened. He began to think that he was the light when he was only a reflection of the light. And this is why, this is the danger of blessing. Did you know there is a danger to God's blessing? And we have to be careful. I have seen this time, and I think I have some kind of stake in this, walking with the Lord for 20 years. I cannot tell you how many contemporaries of mine who started well and did not end well. Men who really loved Jesus with all of their hearts got intoxicated by God's blessings, and they fell. How many Christians do you know that started well with Jesus? Used to go to church, used to serve, used to lead a Bible study. And you think, where is that person now? 
Because if we are not careful, if we look too long at the blessings of God, we take our eyes of the tr- off of the true blessing, which is Jesus Christ himself. Never put your eyes, never put your focus on God's blessings. Keep your focus on Jesus and the blessings will continue to flow in your life. Because what is the true blessing? The person of Jesus, the heart of God, being close to him, that is the blessing. That car will only satisfy you for about 100,000 miles and then you don't like it and you stop taking care of it anyway. But Jesus is like a well-watered garden whose streams never run out. His mercy and his grace is new every morning. Amen? And so I wrote this quote. Everybody knows this quote. It's not about how you start. It's how you finish. Now, who's this contrasting character that's completely opposite? Well, let me just read this story of what happens. Are you ready for this? It's a little long. Can I read a long scripture this morning? In 1 Samuel 15, verse 10 through 26. This is so rich and so good. It says, now the word of the, land, uh, word of the Lord came to Samuel, the prophet. And he said, this is after Saul, the king, everybody say Saul, the king, disobeys God. A couple of years later, after serving him as king and serving the people, he says, now the word of the Lord came to the prophet Samuel saying, I greatly regret giving you a leadership position. I greatly regret that I have set up Saul as king, for he has turned back from following me, and he has not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel the prophet, and he cried out to the Lord all night. And so when Samuel rose early in the morning to meet Saul, he was told, it was told, excuse me, Samuel saying, Saul went to Carmel, and indeed he has set up a monument, say it, For who? Never use your position for self. Right when you begin to make your position about you, yourself, and I, or me, myself, and I, you are on a road to destruction. He set up a monument for himself and he has gone on around, passed by and gone down to Gilgal. Then Samuel, the prophet said, went to Saul and Saul said to him, blessed are you of the Lord. So King Saul is now talking to Samuel. Listen to this. I'm going to talk about this for just a moment. I'm sorry. I'm going to park. He says, this is a religious spirit. Blessed are you of the Lord. I have performed a commandment of the Lord. But Samuel said, then what is this bleeding of the sheep in my ears and the lowering of the oxen I hear? And Saul said, they have brought them from the Amalekites for the people spared the best of the sheep and the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God and the rest we have utterly destroyed. Then Samuel said, be quiet. When someone starts talking really religious words and it's like annoying in your spirit and it's coming out just religious how you doing blessed and highly favored and you know they're not living right and it's just all this religious talk he said be quiet he was shutting up that religious spirit are y'all hearing what i'm saying right now that was a religious spirit talking all the right things but the spirit was wrong it was quiet up in the Presbytery this morning. He said, be quiet and I will tell you. I could really harp there right now because I'm thinking about a thousand things in my head. I'll tell you what the Lord said to me last night and he said to him, speak on. And so Samuel said, when you were little in your own eyes, were you not the head of the tribes of Israel? And did not the Lord anoint you as king over Israel? And now the Lord sent you on a mission and said, go and utterly destroy the sinners and the Malachites and fight for them, excuse me, fight against them until they're now, until they're consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? And why did you swoop down on the spoil and take this stuff for yourself and do evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said to Samuel, but I have obeyed the voice of the Lord and I've gone on the mission on which the Lord has sent me and brought back Agag, king of Amalek. I have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. 
But the people took of the plunder, the sheep and the oxen of the best of things, which of which should have utterly been destroyed to sacrifice to the Lord your God at Gilgal. And so Samuel said, has the Lord great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as obeying? In other words, obedience is better than sacrifice. Everybody say obedience. obedience. My obedience is better than sacrifice. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is the iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. And then Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and your words because I feared, listen to this, I have feared the people. I have feared the people and obeyed their voice. Now, therefore, please pardon my sin and return with me that I may worship the Lord. But Samuel said to Saul, I will not return with you for you have rejected the word of the Lord and the Lord has rejected you from being king over Israel. Heavy statement. And then we have this contrasting character, David. And if you look at David, David was not the poster boy of morality. As a matter of fact, by natural standards, Saul was a better king than David. Let me explain that. Saul never once killed one of his right-hand people, although David did. Killed his best friend, as a matter of fact. Saul never was an immoral man. Never slept with a woman outside of marriage. David did. David was a murderer, an adulterer. David had moments where in his life he dibbled and dabbled in darkness. But something was beautiful, really beautiful about the heart of David. David had a repentant heart. He was always quick to ask God for forgiveness. The Christian life is not void of perfection. Excuse me, it is, it is void of perfection. It must have repentance if we're going to walk closely with Jesus. There's, that's what I was going to say, Lord, thank you. Perfection is not a requirement in Christendom. Repentance is. And, but I want, you to see, I want you to see the delusion, the small increments in Saul's life where he just, he compromised just a little bit here and just a little bit there until he lost all consciousness of godliness. And that's when his life began to spiral out of control. If you look at David, David wasn't the tallest man. He wasn't six foot two, eyes are blue. He was a little shepherd boy on the backside of the desert. He was what the Bible would call the runt of the bunch. He was small. He was looking after his father's sheep. And yet God chose him and says, I have found a man who's perfect. No, he didn't say that. He said, I have found a man who's after my very own heart. Why was God, why was he after God's own heart? Because he was perfect? No, because he sinned. He murdered people. God said he found a man after his own heart because David was quick to ask him for forgiveness. David was quick to say, I'm sorry and admit he was wrong. Be careful with the people that you associate with who will not admit they're wrong. Who do not know how to see their own blind spots. I was telling the team on Wednesday night, I said, this morning, I want to share one of my secrets. And it's not a secret to success and it's not 10 points to success. Because the way we might define success is different. Success for me is not having people in a church. Success for me is not having a thriving business. It's not any of those things. Success for Donnie Smith is to be heart to the close of, excuse me, to be close to the heart of God, to have his heart and to hear his voice and to know that he's with me and to know everything that I'm doing is well-pleasing to him and for my family to think that I'm a better father than a pastor. That's success. Being close to Jesus and, and for my family to admire me more off the camera than on the camera. 
That is success for me. But here's been one of my successes, and it has everything to do with walking in the light. Everybody say walking in the light. I want to read this to you. First John, is this okay, everybody? And First John 1, 7 says this. This is heavy, and this is going to help you to bring and me to bring reconciliations in relationships because far too many Christians do not know how to get along with other Christians. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we can have fellowship with one another. You know when people can't get along with each other, it's not because that other person has a bad attitude. I kind of feel like I can pretty much get along with just about anybody until somebody's unrepentant. Come on. You know some people like that, right? Here's what that says. If you and I walk in the light as Jesus is in the light, we can have fellowship with one another. When there is a lack of fellowship between two people, at least one of y'all are not walking with Jesus. And as a matter of fact, I'll go this far. Even if just one of you are walking with Jesus, it will make that relationship that much more easier because you will lay your life down for that other brother or that other sister, even as Jesus laid his life down for you. Oh, that's hard stuff. I'm not going to get a ton of amens. I didn't really expect it because Jesus, when we look at the cross, many of us say forgiveness. But when I look at that cross, I see sacrifice. I see going out of the way for other people that will cost you something. Not one mile. Jesus said, don't just go one, go two. It costs something. The cross costs something. When we walk in the light as he is in the light, so what? They don't act like you or like the things that you do or pray like you do or have the same gift settings you do. When you have the eyes, listen, when we have fellowship and walk in the light like him, we will see people, places, and things like Jesus does, and it will make it that much more easy to bring reconciliation to the relationship, even if it costs you being a bridge and being walked over so that they can become closer to Jesus through your life being laid down for them. That's Jesus. That's the way of the cross. That is walking in light, and walking in the light will cost you something. Did you know that the enemy can only walk in your life in, one, in, in, in this one area? When you walk in darkness, the enemy has a foothold. Here was one of my secrets. You wanted to know it, right? I have given my brothers and sisters that are in proximity to me, including my wife. I know a lot of these pastors, and I'm not, forgive me. I have some pastors who may go on and watch sometimes. This is not an angst against any. This goes for the, for the, for the lay Christian as well as the the ministers in the pulpit. I have told my wife, if you see something compromised in my life, tell the leadership. Keep me from destroying myself. You can ask Rick or you can ask Dean or any of these that sit on the front, many of these, the, the members in the church, I will go to them and I will ask them, am I doing okay? I don't trust myself enough to determine whether I'm doing okay. I let other people decide whether I'm doing okay or not. I know that's heavy because we don't want to hear honest words from people. When we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we can have fellowship with other people. But we have so many guards in the church. We've had so much wounding from a father, a mother, a teacher, an aunt, an uncle. There's been so much verbal abuse and people are guarded. But you know what I do? I keep people very close to me and I ask them, hey, how am I doing? How did I come off in this area? Not because... I'm super insecure. There might be some of that, but I'll tell you what more what it is mostly. I want to make sure that I not only walk in the light, but I stay in the light. And the only way I can stay in the light and have the heat of God's glory staying on me is when I stay under the magnifying glass. That's what will cause growth. That will cause you staying, it'll keep, a, keep you accountable to stay intimate with Jesus. There's far too much lack of accountability within the body of Christ. And people are able to go from church to church and all in the name of transition. The one the fact of the matter is you can't get along with anybody. The church is not the problem. Just at least stay here until the service ends. Out of respect. 
But if we really want to grow, if we really want to grow, if we really want to grow, we must keep ourselves. And listen, don't expect me to reach out and call. Keep yourself under the magnifying glass of Jesus's light. My, your holiness is not my responsibility. Your holiness is not your neighbor's responsibility. There's been many years, I remember many years, I would sit there and wait for people to call me, wait for people to call me, and I would go more and more into shame, and then fall into sin, and then be ostracized from the church, and that's a vicious cycle. We have to take personal, holy, personal responsibility for our lives, and call people and say, how am I doing? Take personal responsibility to stay close to Jesus. How do we stay close to Jesus? Stay close to people who are close to Jesus. And so what if they don't call you? You call them. Take personal responsibility in your life to stay close to people of God. There's nothing that will kill your faith and your relationship in God than distancing yourself from godly people. There's nothing. There's nothing. And walking in private darkness. And my wife will tell you there's nothing that I wouldn't admit. I'll say, tell them. Tell them everything. Where's my wife at in the room? Tell her to get in service. She's my front row cheerleader. Where does the enemy thrive? He thrives in this only this one area. He thrives in darkness. He loves when you don't tell people your issues. He loves when you keep that childhood thing in private. He loves it. It's how he maintains his stronghold in your life. Now, I said this to somebody recently. Is this okay? Are you guys feeling abused this morning? You are? Okay. Also, Rick will come up lovingly after and stitch you up. It's time for the body of Christ to grow. It's time for us to have a rich, ripe relationship with Jesus. It's time for us to take personal responsibility in our relationship with God. It's time to begin to walk in the light. And my God, this nation needs to begin to walk in light like it never has before. I think the new fad is going to be holiness. It's going to be righteousness. Hallelujah. The enemy thrives in darkness. He thrives there. That's how he holds. That's, that's what's called a stronghold. At the moment, the enemy, listen to this. The moment the enemy whispers in your ear, don't tell it. It's because he needs to maintain legal ground in your life. That is the first time. Yes, go find somebody trusting and go tell it on the mountain no don't tell it on the mountain but tell someone privately Rick will tell you when he found me I was the most messed did you think I would ever pastor a church <laughs> but over and over again daily I would call his phone daily I mean I owe him thousands of dollars for counseling sessions probably a hundred thousand dollars Rick I did it again Rick help me help my heart I don't but but I started finding a key out I started finding a key do you know how many pastors I know I couldn't tell you how many people and pastors and ministers I know that they care more about their reputation than their freedom I didn't know we had a reputation. He made himself of no. The believer is supposed to have no reputation. And I'm finding out, yes, I might have a temporary embarrassment and come into the light, but at least I'm free. At least you're free. Versus spending a lifetime in bondage keeping that thing in the dark. I would rather have a temporary pain and in a lifetime of freedom versus what is called a so-called life of freedom and secrecy and you know you're in bondage. Not to mention the slavery that we find our sin, ourselves in because of the opinions of men. I love this, Psalms 119, verses 130. The entrance, the entrance of thy word giveth light. It gives understanding to the simple. Listen to that. Listen to the richness of that word. The entrance of whose word? 
Thank you for coming into service, honey. Welcome. The entrance of your words give light. It gives understanding. Watch this. Do we have that scripture? No. It gives understanding to the simple. This right here, I could, I could talk probably for the next hour about self-deception. The entrance of your word gives light. <laughs> the reason your spouse bothers you with truth is because you refuse to hear it. You ref Listen, when, when, when truth bothers you and you become, listen to this, the moment that you are defensive, and this is, this, is, this is the unspoken sin in the body of Christ. Like, who cares that you can keep your pants on if every time somebody says something to you, you get defensive? I know that's heavy. I mean, let's talk about the sin of never allowing Jesus or people to get to you all in the name of defensiveness. The moment you defend yourself, the moment... Oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. Jesus was led like a slaughterer, right? He was, he was a lamb led to the slaughterer and, come on, say it, open not his mouth. The defensive person stays bound and will not grow. I know this is really heavy this morning. Instead of laying yourself on the altar and giving a thousand reasons why you can't do, why you can't overcome, why you can't do this or that, when we lay ourselves on the altar and say, Jesus, most people don't realize, you, th you think you're guarding against a person when it's God trying to get you to grow. God using that person's mouth to identify a weakness in your life and you reject it. That's what we do. As believers in Christ, we have no right to defend ourselves. The Lord defends us. The Lord is our defender. And if we defend ourselves, it negates God from his responsibility to defend you. He is my defender. Everybody say, he's my defender. I know, I know, I know this is heavy this morning. But I'm telling you right now, if you decide from this moment forward that you're going to walk in light, it is a hurt so good. I have never, listen to me, I don't say this arrogantly because people will know I will, I will talk my personal business. But I have no, this is the God's honest truth, I have no more bones in my closet. I've talked about them all. When we forcefully, you're going to be all right, Dean. He's looking at his watch. Take that watch off. Lay that clock down. No, just kidding. I'm joking. When he has an alarm, he says, don't get so defensive. So listen. It is the hardest thing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I don't want you to waste your time following Jesus, okay? It is the hardest thing you'll ever do. If you want to follow the Lord the right way, it is the hardest thing. Tell them, Dean. It is the hardest thing and the most painful thing. Sometimes it's a lot of agony. There's nothing I'm doing in my life right now that I have not begged God to exclude me from, including this church. Begged him. Lord, don't make me do this. Please, for crying out loud, do not let me do this. I know people. I know people. My mom's crying right now because she knows. I, I, Lord, just please change your mind. Can we do something else? Like something that requires not working with too many people. But my heart for people and love, because of out of obedience, my love for people has grown so much, much, so much more. Because here's what light does. When you force yourself into the light, no matter what it costs, <laughs> It's not about people. It's about fulfilling the will of God. And as you, in the moment you 
say yes and set your heart to obey the will of God, Jesus shines his light into every dark area of your life and makes you more and more and more like him until you become conformed to the image of his son. That's God's desire for you, that we might be conformed into the image of Jesus. How, listen, with all of the defensiveness and all, who cares we have weaknesses? It gives understanding to the simple. That's what his light does. In other words, it makes not so smart people smart and wise. And you would be wise if you let all of your guards down and say, God, let it just shine the light, expose it, just rip it all out of me, whatever it takes to rid me of this same sin. How many people have found themselves in the same cycle over and over? Don't raise your hand. It's okay if you do. Same cycle over and over and over again. Here we go again, Lord. I'm back at this mountain until you're so sick of tired of and, uh, talking about it and people don't want to hear about it anymore. And Sherry stops answering her phone because here we go again. She's dating somebody else. I told her not to do it. Or started another bench, business venture again and now you're falling apart or whatever it is, whatever it is, whatever it is. It's be, cycles happen because you didn't pass the test the first time with allowing God to shine the light and expose you for a moment. I believe Jesus wants to turn the tables in our lives. It's time for us to mature as the body of Christ. I might as well do it. They don't pay me good anyway. <laughs> this church would be busting at the seams right now. This church would be busting at the seams if I didn't preach like this. I learned. My pastor, can I be honest? My pastor, I haven't seen a church in the city doing it. My pastor, I was like member 4,000 something. I think we we're running 10,000 people a service. I watched exactly how to do it. I know how to get them in here. You don't think we have the budget to increase visibility? I know how to do the polished things, dress the right way, say the right things. But Jesus is raising up a new breed of ministers that will not compromise truth. That will not, they can't be bought. They're so sold out they can't be bought. This church would be busting at the seams if I did what I knew to do. But I refuse to do it because it requires me to move the mark. It, it requires me to not talk too much about that that confronts us. I would rather have 50 people who are radically in love with Jesus. It only took 12 to change a city. It only took 12. It only took 12 to change the world. If I simply, you know how many times the enemy has whispered, lower the standard, lower the standard, lower the standard. They'll keep coming if you lower the standard. And you know what I do? Because I want to walk in light, I raise the standard. So the enemy stopped telling me to do that. Don't tell them the truth. Don't tell them why the blessings are so blocked in their life. They, you know, go ahead and prophesy that they're going to get a Bentley without it requiring a holy lifestyle with a strong work ethic. Don't tell them the truth. Maybe if they run around the church long enough. No, 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 no. Jesus, there is a higher way. There is a much holier way. And it takes a life of consecration. It takes a life full of light if we're going to get all that Jesus has for us. And let me tell you something, saints. You don't have to have a Bentley in order to enjoy life. I'm telling you, when you get Jesus, you will feel like you're driving and living in the best of things. Because you have peace. You have joy, you have righteousness, you have fellowship with God the Father through his son Jesus. I'm talking about walking in light. I'm talking about walking in light. I'm talking about walking in light. Say, Lord, help me to walk in light. You know how many people, you know how many people have come up to me? I'm going to say it so you don't do it. And if you've done this, 
don't worry. I'm not talking to you. There's been too many that have done it for it to be one person. But it's, that, it's just unattractive. The board's probably going to get on me. They're like, he's off his rocker. Do you know how many people have come up to me with an offering envelope? I will not take it. Put it in the bucket. Put it in the bucket. Like, don't, don't hand me that. Don't show me what you're giving. Don't show me what you're doing and tell me all the 10 things you're doing to, and serve, you know, serving the community. I, you know, it's like the Lord, the promotion doesn't come from the east or the west. It comes from, it comes from above. It doesn't come from man. And Jesus can't be bought. He can't be bought. I really believe that we are in a day and age where Jesus is about to purge the entire body of Christ of every single motive that is unholy. And, and I really believe this. You know what would happen at Azusa? At Azusa Street? When somebody had an ill motive and they wanted the microphone... God so released his power and his presence. When people would come up and they just wanted to be seen, they wouldn't know. They would come up here and like, it was like their mind couldn't even, they, there was no flow. They, they, they made themselves look very foolish because the Holy Spirit was leading the meetings. And you know what I really believe? I believe the day is coming and the hour is near when you're going to see true houses of worship of holiness, of purity, of the power of the Holy Spirit, that when people even try to come and get, try to come and serve or try to get engaged in the church with ill motives, God's going to remove them if they don't repent, if they don't change their heart posture. God is calling us as the body of Christ to walk in perfect light with Jesus. Not perfection, but in perfect light. When we fail, Jesus, remove this from my heart. Jesus, shine your light in my heart. Do you know how many times I begged and pleaded God because of the sting of temptation and just being honest with Jesus? Lord, I don't want you the way that I should. That's walking in light. Because you can't want without him. You, you have to get this. You cannot serve Jesus without the person of Jesus in your heart. You cannot love him without him giving you the love in your heart to give him love back. It takes the power and presence of the Holy Spirit to do this work. This is why we have to be careful about serving Jesus here and serve him here. We have to. We have to. We have to serve him from a true heart, walking in true light. And I told the Lord many times, Lord, I don't want this. The way that I'm reading it right there, I don't want you like that, but I want to want you. That's walking in light. Honesty, transparency. The child of God has no reason to hold on to the reputation. We have none. We are Christ. We are the Lord's. Say, I am the Lord's. Are you enjoying this? Give me some more juice there, Joel. This doesn't apply to him, but this was my next note. There are so many people who leave the church and it's not. It's because they're here for more than Jesus. And you know, I start to follow up with people. Hey, where you been? How you doing? Many of them say, I'm in transition. Oh, really? Oh, I thought the pastor was supposed to help pray through that transition with you. Can, can I just tell you how to do it right? We don't do it right anymore. There's a right way and there's a wrong way. And can I tell you what the wrong way is? People who leave where God has seemingly called them and then they leave 
all in the name of transition and don't bring leadership, other voices of God through people in their lives to help steward and walk them through that so that they make the right choice. And you know what I found? There's always this revolving door and they don't go from glory to glory. They go from disappointment to disappointment and from heartbreak to heartbreak and from holiness to whatever. And many people don't have the courage to say and look in the leadership's eyes or people's lives or your Christian friend's eyes and say, you know what, here's the truth. And I wish they would because this is walking in light. And this is what I had to do. It's the first time I'm ever admitting this. There was a time I wanted more than just Jesus. There was a time that I thought it was about writing books that I thought it was about me until the Lord began to process me. And for God, for crying out loud, if you don't, if you want more than just Jesus, find people to look in the eye that you love and you trust and say, you know what? I want more than Jesus. Because that is the fact. Many people serve because of platform, not because of the person of Jesus. Many people, many, I, I know many men and women who they're serving is so they don't have to be at home. It's not about Jesus. It's because you want to get away from them. Or it's because you're not being heard at home or you're not being validated. It's, it's not about Jesus, the person. This has to be about Jesus. It has to be about him and him alone. He doesn't share his glory with anybody. And I know this might hurt, but he won't even share glory with your personal pain. And most people serve out of their personal pain to escape like this is a drug. I know if you're a Christian, if you can sit and do nothing and obey in that. Because it's in the silence when you really find out who you are and what you're spiritually made of. Or do you have to serve? You have to build. You have to be involved. How about sitting there and listening to all that stuff start to erupt in you until Jesus shines his light in you and makes you holy for he's holy and shines his light in you until you're conformed into the image of the Son of God until you don't care about what people say about you. You don't care if you got the likes. You don't care if the church grows. As long as you're growing. As long as you're becoming more like Jesus. That is God's ultimate desire. I wish they would really say this and let the light just come into their life and say, this other church is just going to give me a platform faster. That's the truth, pastor. The truth of the matter is I'm just really impatient. The truth of the matter is, I don't like God's process. Truth of the matter is, that other church keep me a lot less accountable. The other church would just lower their standards just a little bit so I can squeeze in so I don't have to live holy in order to serve. We need the light of Christ permeating our we wonder why it's been Ichabod. Jesus has left the building. Why has God left the building? Where are the signs? Where are the wonders? Why would God do it? He... Who shall ascend? Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord except he who has clean hands and a pure heart? And that's what God is calling you to and you are not going to be excluded from it. Stand to your feet. And let me tell you something. Let me make this very clear. It is not by might. It is not by methods. It is not by might. And it is not by power. It is by the Spirit of God. Is sin... Listen, listen to me. This baffles me. When people say... I had somebody I really love in their 20s the other day. I asked him, I said, do you believe the Bible? Do you believe the Bible anymore? I just want to know. Because I love them. I, I truly love them. It's amazing how many people are bound by sin, and you can physically see it on them. Physically, you can tell they're living outside of God's will for their life. 
It's like they can't not sleep with somebody outside of me. They can't not engage them. I'm not condemning. This church is for everyone, every color, every, for every struggling person. This church is for all of that. But Jesus loves you too much to let you stay where you are. That is the difference. I don't care what people are practicing in their lives. But when you walk into the presence of the Lord, it should convict you. It should provoke something in you. And you should say, I want to be close to Jesus. I don't have the power to do it. That's the point. It is not by might. And it is not by power, but it's by the Holy Spirit. But God, it takes Jesus himself dwelling on the inside of you to break that stuff off of you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Are you hearing my heart? Is it freedom? Think about this. The decisions we've made, the sin struggles that we struggle with, is that freedom? I remember I had the, when I was, especially when I was in my late teens, don't tell me what to do. I want to do me. You want to do me, but you're not free. Not too many people moving. Please, it'll cause a disruption. If you need to use the restroom, then it's fine. Please. It does cause a distraction when the Lord wants to do something. Is it freedom when you can't not do something? Is it freedom when you can't put certain things down or not engage in certain things? That's not freedom. That's not freedom. Can I tell you what true freedom is? Saying yes to Jesus and allow his, allow his light to permeate you. When I look at my life now, Lord Jesus, I'm surprised. I'm not gloating. I'm just telling you, if you'll just lay your life on the altar, God will remove every ungodly desire until Jesus, until almost you carry the very heartbeat of God. And it doesn't matter how people respond to you or don't respond or don't validate. None of that even matters anymore. I don't even turn around when I'm in the church anymore because I don't care who's standing back there. I stood there when there was nobody. God can free you from everything. If you position your heart in his marvelous light and say, Lord, I do not look like you, but I want to be like you. I give you my heart. Shine your light on this heart and every crack and every crevice of my heart until I look like you. That's true freedom. That's true freedom. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope this message impacted you today. If you'd like to support Ascension Christian Center, simply go to ascensionchristiancenter.com and click the gift tab or text ACCFL to 77977. Interested in hearing more? Check back weekly for new messages. Have a great day.